Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast without the mention of whiskey in the title whatsoever. We're doing something a little bit different here on this Monday's episode. We did a few podcasts last week. We don't really have any in the bank right now, even though we have a few planned for uh, this week to be recorded via Skype. But what I wanted to do was highlight a few of our favorite podcasts in the very beginning days um, of the of Key in the Lake. So we're going to play some episodes back, some clips from some episodes back where we, from our very first, uh, I think about 20 episodes or so, I hope you really enjoy it. And also, uh, we'll have a little chat at the end soon about how you, at the end of the episode, um, after we play the clips about how we can support uh, the brothers and sisters in the restaurant community, bars and restaurant community that have uh, lost their jobs for the time being. So I hope you stick around for that as well. Um, please go visit all the information that is in our episode notes that we'll have in there about what bars and restaurants are still open, where you can order from as well, and support them um, while they are uh, going through some difficult times here. But please enjoy some clips from about 45 minutes worth of clips from uh, some of our favorite episodes that started at the whole thing. Cheers. And first up is our very first guest who we ever had on the podcast, who is Matt McLean, a distiller over at Journeyman, who I used to work with at Koval and really enjoy the conversation, the short conversation him and I had. So to kick it off, please listen to Matt. Uh, Yeah, um, it definitely, um, I remember, one, I didn't really even know exactly what a whiskey still looked like. Definitely. Um, I remember getting to Koval for my first time and, like, seeing all the valves and all the dials and all the copper and all the piping and thinking, even though I had seen, you know, worked with beer kettles and mash tons, I remember feeling slightly over my head. Um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to know what all this stuff does. But, I mean, now it's, like, second nature. Um, But palette-wise, I remember the first day of being trained there... um, and one of the distillers at the time, Nick, was trying to show me the difference between heads and hearts, which is different cuts. And I looked bewildered because yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't taste a difference Definitely. at all. Yeah. And I remember him saying, don't worry, man, you will. Um, and I remember just being like dumbfounded because yeah. I, I, I had zero palate. Um, and it took me probably about a year um, to make a my own comfortable heads cut mm-hmm. into a hearts cut um, with, with feeling confident about yeah. that. So I think it's definitely a, a palette that needs to be developed. Uh, it is. Especially, I think it's a very delicate palette that needs to be developed um, in, yeah. in whiskey production. I think it's kind of where you're talking about the romantic side of it all once you really figure out that there's so much of a hard process that goes into it during the whole week of producing it and then the barrel aging aspect of it as well, sure. which probably is like the most of everybody talks about like the most magical um, kind of where everything happens to the flavors and the taste of the, sure. of the whiskey and kind of where that romantic charm comes into it whereas you know I used to pass around the heads the hearts and the tails cuts at tours at Koval oh, and, that's and some people would even tours. smell the difference be like oh okay and then I'm like oh yeah they don't they aren't around this every single day you, right. forget, you really have to show them explain to them um, what's inside of those chemical compounds uh, versus um, if you actually did taste it we didn't allow to taste it except for the very few that just had my back turned and they started uh, drinking out of the head's head's bottle but um it goes in a lot goes into it because like the head cut um is the very first part of the do you want to go into it and explain it sure um and it's interesting um you would think that something that you didn't want um in your final spirit would um would smell and taste horrible Mm -hmm. but heads actually have a relatively uh delight delightful smell to them um which is interesting actually um uh, the term blind drunk actually comes from <laughs> Peckwood's appellation uh distillers not um taking their head cuts off of their distillates yeah um and and your heads actually has um, um methanol like methyl alcohol in it um aldehydes acetone it's um it's basically nail polish remover um so they were actually drinking this stuff, and, um, and it doesn't have a terrible taste to it no. or, a, or a terrible smell strong, to it. It's strong, sure, um, but they were actually drinking themselves blind. Um, but, I mean, that's a very small part. Uh, when your distillation starts coming off your still, it's a very small part of the distillation as a whole, but it's something that does need to uh, be taken out of the whole thing uh, before you get into your heart cut. Uh, which is the the purest form you just let the the more ethanol rich um, 
uh, grain drinking alcohol. Um, but it goes back into kind of, that's kind of an, um, not only is it a scientific thing, but it's also an, you know, an artistic yeah. thing on the distiller's part of where he needs to make that cut. Um, and, and the same thing with the tails cut. The tails is the last part of the distillation that comes off. Um, so you get your heavier alcohols pushing through, you get fusel oils coming through, um, which a lot of those lend a, a lot of flavor yeah. uh, into your into your heart cut. So it's really the overall spirit that you're looking for. And now the first appearance by the one and only Matthew D. Brown of Blum Bros Distilling Co. It's really great stuff. Well, yeah. If so I, if you do build um, it, they will come. That's on a way the, opposite part the of the Lord. state. There's, <laughs> there's uh, a lot more to Iowa than just Field of Dreams. Nobody cares. Anyway, and, so uh, the, Lawrence, we were talking about the distillery in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, has been uh, making bourbon forever, basically. I mean, I said uh, MGP again is MPG. Uh, so uh, MG, M- <laughs> <laughs> it used to be called LDI, and it was owned by Seagram's. It was actually owned by Guinness for yeah, a while. Yeah. So Guinness owned. Uh, a whole lot of distilleries in... And in the 1800s, one of the largest plants like this existed in Peoria, Illinois, yes. actually. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, it's crazy. They just... Oh, know, yeah, they well, this called Prohibition. Prohibition, yeah. Ugh, prohibition uh, right? And then, what, only six survived? And then from there, how many revived from original from original standing? Well, if you want to talk about going to numbers with that... We're going on a tangent here. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll stay on the focus. <laughs> of, Hi, guys, yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Brown, Blonde Brothers. Hello, <laughs> nice to meet craft you, boys. Pin it, pin they, were, they were all craft distilling back then. They were actually hand-making it. They were just stirring so the mash. Do you guys stir your mash? Any, so, no, we don't. I, guess, I mean, I, yeah, we stir the mash. Who knows? Hand, hand by hand? I'm not in production, <laughs> guys. I'm in the sales force. Talk, talk about mash. No. Okay. So you have had your mash. No, corn, just, I was saying I was corn corn rye, how much we, mash was lost this week by, by Barton. Ooh. Yeah. I think it's an year. insurance scam. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> they collapsed that warehouse themselves. They spilled all this mash themselves. Yeah. It's no all one marketing. from Keen the Lake Podcast is saying this. I, I am not saying that. Matt Brown of Blom <laughs> Brothers Distilling Company is accusing Barton a subsidiary of Sazerac Incorporated of insurance fraud. Market right now. It's, it's been a weird year for them. So MGP. So anyways, it's good stuff. We used to buy it, and then we stopped. So um, our, our distillate became ready. Uh, uh, the first thing we bottled was a, um, a small batch of, well, kind of a medium-sized batch of uh, rye whiskey that was two years old and finish in Port Madera, Neutral Oak, and ex-bourbon barrels um, in Thanksgiving 2017. So that was called Fever River Rye. Um, That's gone now. Um, It's a good problem to have. You know, it's still on some shelves and bars and stuff, but that's pretty much gone. We sold it all, um, along with the younger, the five-year-old Natter bourbon. So what we have now is our our straight bourbon, the stuff that we distilled, our three. Delicious. um, Thank you. Thank you. Your checks are in the mail. I appreciate oh, it. All right. Yep. For sponsor of the podcast. So, <laughs> no, That's great. Hi, this is Matt from Blonde Brothers <laughs> presenting to you Key in the Lake podcast. Do you know what Key in the Lake means? No. Anyways, so <laughs> I, so our so our distillate is out at the same time as Old Fangled Nodder Bourbon, twelve year old cast strength MGP stuff that has become renowned as I you know not to toot my own horn but toot toot toot. Yeah. I think we have you know the best. Uh, non, I mean, the best MGP bottled stuff out yeah. there. That's the thing going back, back. Next up, Harrison Pius of MGP, which stands for Midwest Grain Productions. Maybe you've heard of them. Can we, give, can we give your listeners a life hack? If you have a terrible experience at a bar or yeah. restaurant, instead of going to Yelp and just ranting, take a breath, wake up the next morning when you're yeah. calm, yeah. and write an email to the bar, which usually has an RSVP or like a reservation or, or something, or and something. just say, you know what? This isn't, it's not about putting it on Yelp. It's about saying, hey, like, I had a bad experience at your bar. And first of all, they're more likely to respond yeah. politely. They're more likely to give you a, hey, hey, please come back. We'll, we'll give you a blah, blah, blah off yeah. or something. It's, it's, they're really more likely to appreciate the fact that you took the time True. than if you just snap off on Yelp. And if you're the type of person to snap off on Yelp, Turn off this podcast. This isn't for you. We don't yeah. want you. No, I, I just don't get it. Um, I'm sorry. Or, I shouldn't or, or, speak for you. No, no, I agree. No, Wake up the next morning. I agree. Go home. Sleep on it. Let it marinate. Like I, I, I tell those closest to me, 
let it marinate and wake up the next morning, see how you feel. You know what? And if you feel up to it, go back. Yeah. On the continuum of text messages you've ever sent in your lives, I'm asking both of you. Yeah. Have you ever felt bad about one you saw, sent at nine in the morning, assuming you were waking up and that was the first text message, not like you had been up all night? Ooh, you know what? Right? That's a good question. Right, but but at two in the morning, yeah. we've all regretted a text yeah, message absolutely. we sent after. True. No, I probably whatever. Yeah, you know, I, I just say you don't. If you sleep on it, are, are, chances are. Are you talking are, about two in the morning? Like you're out till two in the morning, or you woke up at two in the morning? Because I usually go to bed at eight thirty. What has been the difference of selling craft whiskey now to selling MGP products? Um, so what's weird about this is it kind of feels the same, and part of the reason I think I'm here is because it's the same. Great. MGP produces volumetrically a lot of whiskey. Yeah. You know, I can't quantify it for you, but it, it's, a, it's a lot. Everyone knows it's a lot. We produce for many clients. We produce for ourselves. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, so we are not craft. I don't walk into a place no. talking about myself as if we're only producing, you know, 2,500 proof so gallons. Like certain yeah. breweries that are owned majority share by bigger house breweries and saying you're still making yeah, I, I, what's amazing is I don't know what specific beer you're talking about because that's a thing that happens. What, what I will say is I have to walk in with a new brand. Yeah. And historically, new brand equals craft distilling. Like you're, you're a new brand, you're yeah. just out on the market. So it's very, it's a cognitive dissonance thing where you have to like wake up every day and realize you're the big dog now, but your brand is brand new. Next you'll hear Mike Moreno's first appearance Mike is the owner of Moreno's Liquor and the newly established Osito's Tap. I try. I try really hard. I mean, like I said, I, I, what I work on a lot is building an experience. Yeah. I want customers to come in and, and really build an experience Definitely. off of that. So every single barrel that, that I'm picking, um, whenever I post it up, I try to go into great detail as far as the notes that I'm expecting customers to get. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like the Corazon single barrel that Matt was uh, so lovely talking about um, just a second ago. I like it. <laughs> there you go. I, I was, you know, if you look at the post that I put up there, I was talking about this, like, herbaceous kind of center. Mm, and yeah. the nose, you get a lot of, like, ripe pineapple notes. Mm, and the yeah. finish is a lot of vanilla. I mean, th those are the, the kind of descriptors that, that customers want to hear. They want to know okay, does this person actually know what he's talking about or is he just picking things? <laughs> yeah. But they also, they, you know, they appreciate those kind of those kind of notes. They want something that's different. And yeah. they hear, yeah. they're like, ripe pineapple. Ooh, I, you know, I want to try that just because it's unique. Yeah. So, yeah. Do, do, are you having customers coming in and trying to pair a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of tequila with beer? They're buying the same day? Um, mm, excellent question. I, I do see customers come in and they will buy whiskeys and sometimes they'll buy beer. However, I, I don't know if they're buying them necessarily to pair yeah. together. But I, I do notice a lot of the same customers that come in to buy craft beer also have a great appreciation yeah. for whiskey. Yeah. Is it craft whiskey or more? Is it more of those hard to find labels or just whiskey in general? Both. Yeah. I would say, you know, those the craft Craft whiskeys are yeah. definitely really hot, but um, but also a lot of these these people, cool. you know, they like to look at the display cases and see, yeah. you know, what fun stuff do we have in that day. Yeah, definitely. I, I sometimes I'll just throw up, you know, I, I don't post everything, so yeah. sometimes I just throw something fun up, and if you come in at the right time, all of a sudden you got yourself a really cool bottle in your hand. Mm -hmm. How have you seen like your um, your clientele or? I guess the mood in the store change over the last, you know, 10 years, nine years it has been with this craft explosion happening. Yeah. Um, so the neighborhood is still, you know, we still have the same roots in the neighborhood. A lot of the, the Mexicans and stuff like that will come in and mm -hmm. they're still buying the, the same um, products. We Mexicans are, are very loyal to our <laughs> brands. Uh, there's a lot of loyalty. However, Great. the younger generations, these, you know, um, younger, 24 to, I don't know, maybe 35, yeah. so on and so forth. Uh, the, you know, these younger Latinos that are coming in are the ones that are really exploring all these different products, and, and they see their friends and stuff like that trying unique products. So uh, we're still getting the same base, but at the same time, it's really fun to see, and, and I appreciate it when I hear customers that are like, oh, I'm coming from, like, Bourbon A and stuff like that just to stop in my store. So yeah. we have... 
all sorts of people coming into the store from various parts of the city, even the Midwest, just to check awesome. out the, the selection. Great for awesome. you guys. Thanks. And what's in the future? So the future, um, we have a lot of big plans. So right now I'm working on a craft bar for the store. Cool. And I'm really excited about that. Exactly. So I, I have a small chihuahua and, that I bring to the store almost every day. So Small chihuahua. <laughs> he's seven pounds. That he's very, really very nice. small. So um, his name is Osito, okay. which means little bear. And nice. um, my sister is an amazing artist, and she drew up a caricature of him. And Great. I told her that I wanted to have this kind of old-timey look to it because the the... The idea of the bar is to have, you know, quote unquote, a speakeasy style mm -hmm. craft bar with mm -hmm. a modern Latin flair. Mm -hmm. So when I say craft bar, I'm talking about craft whiskeys, mm -hmm. craft mm -hmm. beer, gin, tequilas, mezcals, craft cocktails. I mean, it's going to be really unique. Ian Hosek's first appearance in the podcast is up next. He is the brand ambassador for Uncle Nearest here in Chicago, Illinois. I really want to have that conversation a lot more. I think that it's really important, especially in the liquor industry where there's mm. issues of depression. There are issues yeah, of and that's, uh, I'm glad you're bringing this up substance because, abuse. Yeah. We need to have a conversation around how we find happiness in this world and how we find happiness in our jobs. And we have to also be honest when maybe not everything is fulfilled because I'm experiencing that right now and it's a really important message for me to get across. No, I think it's super important. Um, actually, Harrison, after his podcast, we were we kind of were talking about how we didn't go into it as much because he lightly brought up like going to therapy. And after the after the conversation um, off mic, we start we talked about um, doing a show. We're going to have a therapist on actually. Oh my god! Who, who used to be a bartender? Everyone should go through therapy. Yeah, just try it. Saved my life. I mean, I'm, I'm currently not. Yeah. I probably should. Back in the day, no. I mean, I haven't been in 10, 12 years, but um, it definitely saved my life at the time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not even like, especially in the Midwest, there's a, there's a, at times, I think there can be like an artifice. You grew up in the Midwest yeah. where like, you're very polite, you're very kind, <laughs> but sometimes when there are things that are oh, yeah. bothering you, it's not necessarily polite or kind to talk about them. Definitely. And I think that we tend to have a culture of... Growing up in the Midwest, you're taught passive aggressiveness very early on. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that it has to be a significant thing, you know? Mm -mm. No, um, not at all. It, it be, it, just going to therapy can be really cathartic for lots of reasons. Well, Actually, I think what everyone should do, weird <laughs> little shout out, is called the artist way. Okay. Do it if you work... As an accountant, uh -huh. do it if you're a photographer. Just do it because it's a great way to streamline your way of thinking around what you do. Okay. And and kind of piece together how you how you think, how you feel about the the various projects you have in your life. Yeah. It, it, it's really it's geared towards artists. Okay. It's really geared towards actors, if yeah. I'm being honest. But it can benefit everyone. It gets a little Jesus-y. <laughs> but just ignore that if you don't want to <laughs> think about it. Because her methods are really sound. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I think when also you separate... So if you read the Bible, not to get religious too much, but when you read the Bible for text and for a, um, a pathway of life and you separate the religion out of it, it's a damn good way to live your life. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you just like... Look at the various tenets of of community. It's it's it, yeah, those that's are very good things to to live your life by. Um, I am I as a, as I don't know if you experience this with photography, but as I was going growing up in the arts, um, I would often hear some people, and they would not always be professionals. They would not often be teachers, but they would yeah. say things like, "Well, if if." If you're meant to sing, Jesus will make you sing. And I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to say, I think that my forty thousand dollars a year education is going to help me too. And oh, you know, you the, hope. yeah, the the work you do behind it is going to help you through it. Um, but it really is. It's 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 a great way to just think about what you're doing. The next clip you're about to hear is from Jared Savoci, who is the owner of The Native, which is a nice little neighborhood pub over in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. This is probably the drunkest Wilson I ever got on a podcast after doing 64 episodes. So cheers on you, Jared. And if you'd like to support The Native, please go ahead and tune into their virtual happy hours and other events they are doing online during this pandemic. Um, yeah, I, I think that you can set the bar 
too much. It's it's it, it may be cool, but it has it doesn't have steak power. Yeah. If we do this podcast in thirty years, the native will still be there. Oh, right. my daughters decide to sell it, it will still be there. Maybe not making as much as it is now in the trendy aspect, but it is it's that that style lasts forever. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a neighborhood bar. We're, we're we're trendy Fridays and Saturdays. Other than that, we are a neighborhood. Yeah. You go in on a Tuesday or a Thursday, you're going to see people from the neighborhood, people from the industry, I love and it. that's and that's my favorite part. That's after cool. that, yeah. But we started with vinyl only. Yeah. Oh, you only stopped. You started only with vinyl music, vinyl only. Well, this is. I feel like if you're going to be. That's cool. And I'm not saying that the bar is super successful. I just mean if you're going to be good at something or successful at something, yeah. you sort of have to do everything. Do it right. So when I opened, I mean, I built it. Part helped, not all of it. Helped build it with my two hands. I bartended. Like the first six months, mm-hmm. I bartended six days a week. <laughs> I haven't bartended in probably a year and a half now, which I'm over. It's good. It's good. But the point was, is I wanted to sort of know how to do every aspect of yes. the bar business. I came from a small business, so running a business is fine. That, yeah. That's in my blood. But I needed to sort of learn. The, Adapt the, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, this industry. Yes. I've never worked in it. Yeah. I was a delivery pizza driver in high school. That's the closest I got <laughs> to like the, the service industry. That's nothing. <laughs> Uh, my family business was construction. Yeah. You know, and then finance you're sitting in front of a computer screen. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, you know, music was, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. I did it for fun. There was no money. Yeah. I drank a lot and met a lot of really cool rock stars, which yeah. I, means a lot to hey, me. Hey, those memories are, or something. Yeah. And I'm a massive vinyl collector. And I was like, oh, let's just open a bar. So when I did, it was big. The music program was huge. It, okay. took, eight, it took me eight months to allow another human being to play a song in that bar. Really? That's a long time. What was the first song? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you do know this about the native, but you're not allowed to play the Eagles. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm never going back now. It is my least favorite band in the world. Ooh. My dad's favorite band, God Arts the Soul, his See. favorite band in the whole world. Yeah. I have always hated fucking <laughs> He's like, no, we're explicit. We have explicit radio. It so. is the worst damn band ever. Massively popular band. I love that. I can I, imagine you and your dad driving in the car to like <laughs> hockey tournaments, did the same thing, listening to the Eagles oh, and loving like, it. Dad, turn and this Jared off. just hating it. I'm like, Dad, turn this off. Like, and I was like, yeah. put on, and I put on like Guns N' Roses or something at the time. What about Seeger? <laughs> Listen to this, Dad. You hate Bob Seeger too? No, I like Bob Seeger. Okay, Seger. there we go. And it's not, it's not even the Eagles. I sh- probably should have changed this, the sign of the bar because we have a prohibited. There's a few things. There's a few things that are on that list, and the Eagles are the last one. And people sometimes confuse it with the football team, which it's not. No, but next up is Mary Scalaw. She was the brand ambassador for Treaty Oak at the time when we recorded this podcast. She has since moved on from the company, but please enjoy the words of wisdom she has to talk about women in the industry and overall her love for the brand. Uh, I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on that because um, you are the first woman we've had on the podcast. I'm so, the first or, yeah, we've woman? been. We have, <laughs> yeah. Cheers, cheers. to that. Cheers Come on, to that. Clink. Let's oh, I have, clink that I have shit. That. Um, I think I, I took it a different direction, it? but I, I think what do you it's just talk about how I feel as a woman in our pay in to my play. Industry? Anything you first, I, yeah. For some reason, I apologize. I took it that direction. Yes. But it's just one that I, I have four sisters, so I, I have my one. Four sisters are amazing women in their own, human beings on their own, and and have really done well for themselves and their fields. But I just feel that there's just not enough credit to where it's, 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 it's to be given. You know, well, like last night. Thank general. you. Yeah. I mean, women in especially general, in yes, our industry. Our industry yeah. is just peeking into that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'll give another shout out to Daniel Barnes. He puts a lot of women, and not not because they're women, but because they're skill set. They're badass yeah. people. They're badass they're human badass beings, yeah. and he puts them in positions to do great things. Yep. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I was lucky enough to have Jamie Beale, our director of science mm-hmm. and sustainability, yeah. and Melody Play, our female distiller, yeah. come into town, uh, I guess, week. two yeah. weeks yeah. ago, um, and week. we had... Four events in three days. Mm-hmm. First one being the Untitled Whiskey Affair. Mm-hmm. The next day being a Breakthroughs a Winter Whiskey Classic, mm-hmm. followed in the same day by Benny's Women in Whiskey. And then the day after that, Benny's uh, World, World of, of Whiskey. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? I had these two women with oh. me, and we fucking killed 
killed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No one could keep their eyes off of yeah. us because it was so <laughs> different. And I wanted to be like, this shouldn't be so different, yeah. but like, we'll relish in it. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. They are brilliant, smart people that have an amazing conversation about our industry, about I spirits, mm-hmm. about bourbon, gin, whatever it is, mm-hmm. sustainability, yeah. distilling in general. In like, general. We have a very unique conversation about it. 100%. No, I think so, the best conversation that I had that entire week was with Melody, actually. Right? Thank it, you. Like, honestly, and we, like, she was trying to, she was coming here, I thought, maybe late April again. And we were talking about, she was talking about coming on the podcast, and I was, I just wanted to, like, record her as we were sitting there, because right. just, like, going off, I'm like, this is one of the most in-depth conversations she I've is, had in a long time. She's a She's the one like, to watch for, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Oh. Our next guest, we can say happy birthday to, and also congratulations as well. Jamie Duffy recently got engaged, isn't celebrating a birthday on today. When so Jamie, do you get the opportunity cheers. to pick what you want to work with? That's cool. And that you know it's a short amount of time. Yeah. We hope they renew. Yeah. But there's this traveling thing where there's a lot of things that I'm so blessed that at 27 come across my boss's desk and he has me taste and he's like, do you want this in the portfolio? Fucking 27. 27. 27. It feels old to me now. Stop. It does. Running running around for six years doing more than that. Yeah, you feel like you've kind of been there and done that for six years. Yeah. In college too, right? You said, Mm -hmm. yeah. Which I look back and like, it's hard to be a 22-year-old girl and take have people take you seriously because I wasn't that smart in yeah. the industry. I wasn't. I didn't know much, too, yeah. but I was eager. What do you consider yourself now as a 27-year-old? Um, I find myself sometimes being seasoned um, in a negative way. Mm. I want to be more humble and not in... I want to be like so excited to show this product and yeah. I am, yeah. but there's like some sort of thing in me where I've listened to... The distributors are also close to me now. I know how they feel about a brand. Yeah. I, and I want to just like, I want to be that crazy person, like the distillers. <laughs> yeah. To be a yeah. distiller risk, yeah. and yeah. own a product, yeah. Yeah. you have to think you are the best fucking Absolutely. person in the world. I agree. When it comes and that's distill. a tad crazy. But you also have to know when your product's not right, too. Yeah. I mean, But there's a craziness to truly believe that out yes. of all the products in the world, yours is the very best. And I am going to put my entire life savings True. towards this. Yep. I don't have that anymore. I'm a little jaded. Really? I know good products. I know that I want to sell them, but I wish I had that touch of crazy. Well, I think you can still. I, think I mean, you still can absolutely. Though. I mean, because like I with think these, you still have it. With the four I, bur- your eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Your eyes right now. <laughs> still have a lot of passion really, for it. Yeah. yeah. Just when I see people like talk, like, yeah. I just I get jealous. You know. Okay. I'm like I want to be there. Like. Yeah. The conversation comes up all the time on work with with reps. If you won the lottery, what would you do? Oh, mm-hmm. fucking. And it. I can't say I would buy a distillery. Hmm. Being honest with That's you. That's fine. Oh uh, yeah. I, no, That's I, cool. What would you buy? I would. Be, I've always wanted a bar or a liquor store. There you go. Which is just as crazy. That's it's just, just as crazy. crazy but yeah. I'm in. You should do a bar. Like, you, should, you should do a liquor store with a bar in it. Just go. That's actually my plan. And then yeah. I want to batch. Bring back the slashy to Chicago. No. Oh, and yeah. make the slashy. And how Pizza? many times do you go into <laughs> Julasco and you spend like, or Mariano's or yeah. Whole Foods? You spend two hundred bucks because you needed two tarragon leaves for a cocktail. And, but and one piece of an orange or whatever. So I want to work with local farmers, and then oh. you can do these like little baggies of as much so you as can you do need. Little, uh, oh yeah, and so then like I teach you the how to make pre-sliced things that oh. they normally have, like for fruit cups and parfaits, mm-hmm. but do it for exactly. garnets, prepared kits. Alan Clark is no longer with us. Well, I mean, he doesn't live in the United States anymore. The president asked him to leave a few months ago, so he abide in. Now he lives in London, but he's still working for Avalar and is a position there as a brand ambassador um, overseas. Hope you're doing well, buddy. It's still a taboo as well. Another thing, like, to a certain extent, yeah, Delhi and Mumbai and Bangalore and Hyderabad and Chennai, Calcutta, places like that, like alcohol, a younger generation is now consuming alcohol. However, their parents and perhaps their grandparents even more so, whiskey, alcohol was still a taboo subject up until... 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Okay. So it's still a very relatively new alcohol market. Yeah. Although the population is, what, 1.6 billion or something yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So how did you guys approach that market? What was your strategy or what were you trying to accomplish while you were down there? 
Um, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess how we are. Uh, no, 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 not yeah. at all. Um, the, the team there, fantastic. The, the guys that work for, for Perno obviously were part of the bigger group um, over there were exceptional in terms of letting us settle. We were there for two years, so there was myself and another um, whiskey ambassador on the Scotch side of things went out, a guy called Paul O'Connor. The most, if he was on the podcast, you'd never understand him. <laughs> first, the first time we ever went into a bar, myself and Paul, so he's from a place called Steps in Glasgow, which is a, a, a North Glasgow, let's not say the, the nicest area of Glasgow, but a yeah, fantastic gotcha. guy. If you ever go to Scotland, his family own a bar called The Pot Still. It's one of the fun, oh, best whiskey oh. bars in, uh, let's go, guys. in Scotland. So Where if you ever go, let's just, go. just, just recording say... recording uh, podcast there. There we go. <laughs> if you say you know Paul O'Connor, you'll probably get told to fuck off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, he um, he and myself went out, and um, I think he got threatened with elocution lessons before we'd went. We were out in a bar the first night, and uh, we arrived on a Friday. Celtic and Rangers were actually playing on the Saturday, so we were like, oh, we'll go out for a few drinks, take it easy, we'll go out, and um, we'll see what happens. So we're in a bar, and we're just like speaking to the guy. We're both working on predominantly on Valentine's. Okay. And <laughs> we're speaking to the bartender, and I think I've told you this one before, but speaking to the bartender and the, the bartender is looking specifically Paul's speaking to him and he's just looking at his lips and he's like I can see <laughs> squinting at his mouth <laughs> and, and Paul's looking at me and I'm like right slow down speak a bit like yeah. speak yeah. a bit slower so pronunciate everything so Paul starts pronunciating everything <laughs> and the bartender leans over the bar it's pretty quiet leans over the bar taps him on the shoulder and says sir I'm so glad you changed into English <laughs> <laughs> so from that point onwards oh. I was like fuck it's going to be a long two years yeah. our dear friends from Beguile Brewing Chelsea and Brett joined us on episode 15 the podcast like any other brands uh, that are out there and local and need your support right now as um, all bars and restaurants are closed please go visit uh, Beguile and order online if you need any beer you can do pickups from their tap room all week and they have hours and all the other explanations on their website and social media platforms to see what they are doing but please go support them they're our brothers and sisters where we record our podcast so we can only say a massive thank you to them and we're also doing a fundraiser for the staff at Beguile by um, selling our t-shirts any t-shirts that you buy from keyinthelake.com 100% of the profits will go to the staff at Beguile thanks a lot we are literally placed in a neighborhood Um, so like yeah we're part of the community and everything and a huge part of that is because you look outside our front window and it's houses Uh, and the entire street is families that live here and uh, that was kind of the original concept of the brewery was to be a very community focused and community driven brewery Um, so like we have a, a community supported brewing a program which is similar to a, um, like an agriculture program where members of the community can buy in for a certain um, portion of beer, essentially, for the year. Okay. And then that brings them in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what that has done over the years is give us a ton of contacts in the community. So, like, someone has an event for their school mm-hmm. uh, and they need a donation or they want us to pour there or they're having a fundraiser at an art gallery across the tracks uh, yeah. and we become part of that and that has just grown exponentially from when we started in 2012 um, and every time we get out to a new community event we're just making more uh, friends, which yeah. is awesome. Definitely. And those, those might be more industry friends and those might just be uh, customers, but like yeah. they're all kind of, they all mesh together, which is really, really cool. And you guys, do you guys hold any special event specifically for those members? Or? Uh, we, yeah. yeah. So we do one a quarter. Oh, um, okay. that often? Yeah. Oh, nice. Usually it's, it's like once a year. Yeah. Depends the yeah. And it's during the Christmas holiday season, you know, like. Oh, right. Who's yeah. got time for that shit? Right. Come on, Christmas yeah. Eve yeah. from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. You get one free beer. Uh, but no, we do one every quarter. We shut down on a Monday night and we invite all of our members in. They get a plus one. They get a couple free beers. They get uh, early sign up if they want to, like, rejoin. We usually preview some stuff or let them taste mm-hmm. uh, test batches cool. depending on the season.
Next up is one of our favorite proprietors in the city of Chicago, Bob Zacharias of Fountainhead. Um, massive thanks to Bob and all the support he's shown Wilson and I over the last year or so. And also, there's another company you can go out and support by purchasing some meals and buying from their market next to Fountainhead as well. Uh, visit their website, fountainhead.com, and their social media, mostly on Instagram, to follow what they're doing for their daily meals and menus, and also by purchasing any alcohol you would like from the um, from the Fountainhead market. Please support them. They are great people and great people we need to keep in this industry and also keep in this city yeah i mean the the, the days is always um a, a welcoming yeah you know um that's what we always try to make sure that bartenders and whether and that even that's a, the as soon as they walk in the door mm-hmm. we want people to say hey guys yeah. how you doing you yeah. know well even if it's hey we'll be right with you you know yeah. we don't have a host on that that day but yeah. acknowledging yeah. them and immediately you know and yeah. even one minute can feel like five to yes, people when they walk in, you know? That's so true. that's um, that's that first interaction. And we always want that to be positive. And then greeting people and say, hey, guys, all right, we've got a full beverage menu here for you. We've got this other menu here. Yeah. Here's a layout of our menu. We can talk about it as little as much or as little as you want sometimes people come in and they're just like uh just give me an ipa on draft like i don't need all this stuff you know and we're i don't want to read anymore understandable you know but then uh but on the flip side of that it's it's making feel people feel comfortable and having a friendly a friendly face behind Mm -hmm. the bar and and talk to them and um you know engagement i think is a big thing yeah and and i think as a bartender for me i can kind of i can kind of gauge how much somebody might want to talk to me or might not want to talk to me um, they may have just gotten off of work and they just want to, you know, check their news on their phone, yeah. um, check their newspaper, which is actually just on their phone now. It's like, it's, <laughs> like, the it's like, check the newspaper, which Someone is... walks into your bar, just like three spots, the newspaper. Exactly, like, right. What? What do you I never right? understood that. Yeah, guys would just spread their shit out. I'm like, dude, yeah, what do you got? Yeah. What is this? It's important. It's important. Go home. Mark right. your spot. <laughs> right, right. And so some people might just want to want to do that. Yeah. So and that's is, fine. Yeah. I, I'll let them yeah, cool. do that and, and and talk to them when they want to talk to me. And if not, then if there's somebody that really wants to get into bourbon, you know, I, that's yeah. what I, I love doing. Yes, yeah. I, I still bartend uh, three three nights a week, roughly. Do you really? okay. Yeah, nice. Um, that'll now that we're getting into full summer, I'll probably drop down to one or two because okay. I'll need to be. A little, do you also develop the cocktail menu? Do yeah, okay. with nice. with help, I, I always will. Um, you know, might ask a bartender and say, hey, I'm trying to, yep. you know, I'm looking at a rum cocktail for the rooftop. Mm-hmm. Maybe mess around with some stuff. Let me know what you think. You know, I still yeah. want I still want to include um, the staff yeah. as well. You know, um, I think that's good team building. Definitely. Um, and so, so that'll go down a little bit. But that's why I still like bartending because I still like the, yeah. the engagement aspect mm-hmm. of it. I like talking to people. Yeah. Um, and so it's still a lot of fun for me to, to be able to do that. It sounds like uh, Bob has the same, what is it, the grooming that you went through from day one as Jamie did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so a, f- a funny story that I, so, you know, I mean, uh, I've known about your guys' podcast for a little while now. And um, after we were getting in touch, I was like, yeah. man, I gotta, I wanna, you got to check these guys out, right? And so <laughs> I listened to a couple of them and, um, and awesome. I mean, I just, uh, Thanks. you guys do, do, do Thanks, a great bro. job. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun listening to them. Well, appreciate and, that. Um, do something. Oh, yeah. for, the, for the industry folk, I think right. pretty much. But and uh, I and have no clue what I'm doing. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> well, like microphone. Is it on? Is it on? Right. Is it on? Right. Is it that just to say that. And so, about a week ago, I was um, I was actually going to a card game, uh, poker game that a local brewery was hosting. Cool. A bunch of guys were getting together, playing some cards, and I was running a little bit behind. I was at home, and I actually. Oddly enough, don't carry a whole lot of beer at home. Okay. And I didn't really have time to run, but I had a bottle of um, some Cairo uh, barrel-aged rye gin. Yeah. And I was like, well, this would be kind of cool. I'm like, I'm going to a brewery anyway, so, yeah. like, yeah. they're going to have beer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this would be something fun to bring, right? So yeah. I bring that, I hop in the car, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to throw on uh, I'm gonna throw on a Key in the Lake podcast, yeah. right? And so I load it up. I'm like, oh, Jamie Duffy. Uh, I'm like, this is, this is kind of poetic <laughs> uh, that I have her gin with me, and yeah, now yeah. I'm listening uh, to her being on your guys' podcast, uh, perfect, which was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, and I, li- I swear, I and we uh, drank their product on the podcast too. That there day. you go. So. Yeah. And I had about a thirty-five minute commute, and I got out of the car, and I was like, I, I kind of want to keep listening to this. That's awesome. I want to keep listening to this. That was one of the better podcasts. Yeah, uh, we had she's a nice response uh, back from that. she's a she, star. She's man. great. Uh, I've, I've known Jamie now for. 
five years maybe at okay. least you know okay. and so we do our, our families i mean um our families have known each other yeah. aaron and, and marty have worked together for years and cool. i've done Mar- i've done whiskey classes that marty has held when i was younger yeah. and he they're you know she's um she's a rock star and, and a good yeah. friend so it was uh it was fun to listen yeah. to that and i was just like was her story accurate of starting off at Fountainhead it was. coming in? Okay. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I it actually just remember. Sounds, it I remember. Right. I totally remember her telling me that story okay. of her of her Wanting talking to my brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was hilarious. <laughs> Once again, uh, it was hilarious and spot on. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of just shows how interconnected this whole industry is on a very small level. Exactly. Uh, yes, our good LA friend Tate Foreman of Bebo Ergo Sum. Tate opened the bar. A while back, and uh, this bar is closed like many other bars across the country. This is a really great West Hollywood, L.A. bar that um, makes amazing cocktails, has amazing scenery, and really kind of invites you in and makes you right a part of their family as soon as you walk into the doors. So as soon as Tate and everybody else was up their doors, please go visit them and have a drink. Cheers. You know, ultimately, uh, you know, learning to become a great bartender is certainly challenging. It takes quite a bit of time skill. Um, but you have to have an open personality first. You have to be open to receiving feedback. You have to be open to giving feedback. You have to just naturally or want to lean into sort of treating this space like it's your home and yeah. you're inviting people into it. And, you know, it's pretty quick. I think you can easily tell when, um, when that just doesn't connect for people, yeah. uh, which is totally fine. Um, you know, this I always say, not every space has to be for everyone. Mm. Um, but we, if you want to work here, I mean, every, everybody who works here or who has worked here has kind of had that mentality of, Great. you know, this is our home and we're welcoming people into it. Um, and you can't, I personally believe you can't really teach that. Um, you can foster that. You, I mean, if I didn't have that personality, then yeah. nobody else needs to have it. Um, but ultimately, they carry that through. It starts. I mean, it obviously starts up top too, and that can flow right. flow down through it. I think creating a space like this would definitely kind of create the vibe for anybody coming in here who you know, applying or starting a job. Definitely get the mentality of, hey, this is a cool space to welcome people. Obviously, you have many stories to tell just mm. through your cocktails, um, through your also through your list of spirits as well. Um, kind of going into that, like, how did you choose what you wanted, what you wanted to serve? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll freely admit, uh, I take a backseat to the development side and okay. to the, the product side and leave that mostly to, uh, Daniel who's our beverage general manager. Yeah. And also I kind of give him the role of, uh, <laughs> beverage director as well. And did you guys work previously together anywhere? Or? Uh, we hadn't, um, he was actually working at, um, the Walker Inn and Bar Claxon. So he had worked with proprietors LSC in the past and it was perfect transition because he, he knew the systems, he knew the way they worked and we were all very aligned on that. So it was a pretty seamless marriage right off the bat. Um, and I know he goes about usually picking products that I think a first and foremost, they have to taste good. Yeah. Um, so it's a good start. It's a good start. Uh, it can certainly turn into a subjective conversation, yeah. but ultimately, it's it's his point of view to start with, and right. I, I totally respect that. Um, and then it's also ultimately trying to make sure we're picking brands with integrity. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to name names, but no. the, it, there are absences on our back bar that I think kind of throw people at times. Um, and it's, we don't want to get, you know, if we want to, somebody wants to have the conversation, you know, we'll kind of take that off the record. But um, usually it's just, you know, we don't have X, but you should try Y. You know, it's delicious. It's great. Made in wherever. Yeah. Um, we know the guy who makes it. So. Definitely. And it goes back to storytelling. It's, you can exactly. tell more of that story. You know the people. You might even know the owners of distilleries or who it might be and be able to actually facilitate a real conversation about the product. Yeah. And we, you know, we want to support brands that, that we think, you know, are doing, are truly telling their story. And my colleague, Georgie Zaneman. Uh Georgie is a sales rep for a company called Redwood Brands which actually represents the brand that I work for called Star Ward Whiskey. Georgie helps sell uh, Star Ward across the East Coast, mostly in the New York. Um, we're really only in New York and also across Brooklyn, too. Uh, one of the best guys I've ever met in this industry, true facilitator of what it means to be uh, a whiskey person uh, through and through. Please enjoy our little clip from him. 
It all started on the other side of the bar, I yeah. think, like it did for a lot of us. Um, I was in the industry pretty much from uh, high school on, uh, putting myself through college, et cetera. Yeah. Um, being a general, everything from a general manager to a server to a line cook to <laughs> a bartender. Yeah. Uh, to eventually running my own beverage program. Uh, but I'd say my love of whiskey started at the Flatiron Room, which is a local whiskey haunt in mm-hmm. New York. I'd say it's top five whiskey haunts in America, uh, largest selection in the Northeast. And I kind of owe it all to them um, as far as my ed- education goes and my love of whiskey. Um, real intensive kind of training and getting down to everything from the history to distillation to where whiskey is today. Mm-hmm. And that was actually uh, narrated by Dave Broom, so one of the preeminent whiskey writers in the world. So after that, I, I went on and kind of tended bar at other locations for a couple of years, opened up some uh, beverage programs, created their whiskey lists, cocktail programs, et cetera. And decided the next evolution, and that was to represent some brands and kind of help them grow, and, and here I am. Nice. So how long were you Flatiron for then? So Flatiron for about a year, give okay. or take. So it wasn't, it wasn't too long of a time, but with that said, I think I got a lot out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Having, I mean, having 1,200 whiskeys at your disposal, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good learning tool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, what, what was your first job there? I was in the floor. I okay. was uh, I was a server there, and then got behind the bar here and there. Mm. Uh, but every single server at the Flatiron Room is required to pass a course called Lobster Inc., and that's the one narrated by Dave Broom, um, before you could get on the floor. Okay. So it's pretty intensive, and in essence, you're quote-unquote whiskey sommelier. Yeah. Right? Um, I was wondering if you had to do... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was was a full-on intensive training course because at the end of the day, if if somebody's coming in, they're talking whiskey to you, Mm -hmm. you should know more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I always wonder if those places, like, they have, like... I I can't remember what bar was... I don't remember what it was, but they were talking about how... um, I think it was in Melbourne, that the the bar program, it's one of the best whiskey bars there... uh, you have to start um, as a host and then do that for like a couple months and then you're a server for a couple months and then you're a bar back for six months before you can become a bartender. So it's like, I think it was almost a year and a half before you can become a, a bartender yeah. there and it's like the best cocktail program in the city, a good whiskey list. It's like, we want our, our bartenders to be professionals. So sure. you're basically making probably a three-year commitment. I mean, if you will, you're not going to go through all that training and then leave, you know, as soon as you become a bartender after yeah. six months or something like that. Um, so that's, that's pretty crazy and to know that. But it's also good to know that you're you're actually talking to people that probably have a passion, first of all, yeah. and then also have knowledge too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a commitment, right? Yeah. It's like what, what we do on a daily basis is not something that you would do without some love, right? Yeah. Um, Speaking whiskey is is something that I love to do. I love the education aspect of it and, and building up categories. Right? Mm-hmm. We're not just not just selling brands because if you were just in sales, you could go sell cars, you could yeah. go sell whatever. Like this is this is all about education and kind of building yeah. building brands up. Well, there you go, folks. Those are the few clips we wanted to play back from the very beginning uh, days of the podcast through the first 20 episodes or so, uh, highlighting some of our favorite guests that we've had and you know, really enjoying all the conversations that started off this entire project or this entire podcast. Now for what you can do as listeners of people who are in the spirits world, fans of the spirits world, obviously we have a lot of bartenders and you know, people within that industry who are currently laid off of work right now and unemployed. The best thing that we can do to keep make sure that these bars and restaurants survive is to go out and purchase gift cards, purchase meals, purchase from the markets, local markets and local retail shops and buy their uh, wine, buy their beer, buy their whiskey, whatever you can do to keep them afloat during this time where not much income is uh, really coming in at all. Um, Talked to quite a few people that are owners and proprietors of restaurants and bars and markets as well. Uh, They're worried. They're not going to necessarily come out and say it right away, but you can see it on their face. You can see it in the tone they have when you speak to them about the possible future. 
bars and restaurants across this country aren't in major markets aren't going to be opening up for a couple more weeks at the very least. And we have to keep them afloat because they really truly are the backbone um, of our cities where my wife and I were just talking the other night. We just can't go out and have a beer. We can't go out and have a whiskey or have a small meal at any of our favorite places in our neighborhood, which are extensions of our living room. Um, we're fortunate enough to have a pretty, you know, I would say good sized space for here in Chicago, but we also live on top of each other and we like to just go out and stretch our legs, go say hi to a bartender, have a drink around in our neighborhood and have a, have like a salad, have like a, you know, share a, share a cheeseburger, have some French fries and just have a drink and have a conversation with, um, you know, in a different f- space that's not your living room. And those extensions to us are taken away and more, gra- more drastically people's jobs been taken away um, for the right cause. I'm not trying to get into a political conversation at all, but if we have to stay away from each other at this current period of time, um, all the restaurants and bars are going to remain closed. And like we've repeated, and I'm sure you've heard a million times, the best thing we can do is keep pumping money into those places that are currently open. So hopefully once uh, the pandemic and all of that uh, social distancing is lifted, we'll be able to go in there and have the open arms, our bars and restaurants will be able to accept us back in. But there is a dark cloud hanging over those places right now and a fear that a large percentage of these accounts or of our of mine, I guess, on a personal level, but more you see them as um, just really great places to go visit inside of your communities could be uh, not opening their doors after um, the pandemic has been you know, contained and we're able to move on to our regular lives. So the best thing that we can do is people who you know love whiskey and love bars and restaurants is to keep them afloat in the time being. Um, talking in circles here and I don't really want to talk about it much anymore because it's a little bit depressing to see look outside my window right now and see the sun beaming and even though it's kind of cold out here but life has essentially stopped other than people walking their dog and going for a quick run uh, out into the park. So hopefully uh, better days are to come. We're going to have a few more podcasts here, planning a podcast right now um, via Skype to talk with the Blum Brothers Distilling Co. over in Galena, uh, Illinois. So kind of on more of a great human uh, humanistic standpoint and kind of more positive outlook on this country. Uh, the Blum Bros, Blum Bros are uh, one of the few or one of the many distilleries across the world that are now producing hand sanitizer uh, at their distillery. And I believe they're giving the bottles away too. So we're going to have Mike and Matt on for a Skype chat. Um, I think Wilson will be joining me as well. Planning on making some cocktails in our own homes or wherever we're recording at. Also having some pretty uh, hefty drinks and just having a good time. Have a little bit of celebration in this time of it's a little, little more depressing than it should be. But um, look forward to that. Look forward to having some more Skype conversations as well with people that are uh, local here in Chicago and also outside of the Chicago community, but still in the industry that we can uh, kind of talk about um, the current effects of uh, the coronavirus in the bar in the bars and restaurants, but also maybe look at some positive outlooks and where we can really grow as uh, individuals and as community across this world. Because as we've, uh, I think it's been never been more or better, better painted in this world at all, that we are very much of a, a global community at this point, um, the way we've been affected over the last uh, few months or so. But hang in there. Uh, I know we're all kind of going a little bit stir crazy, but go out for a walk, make sure to stay active. If you didn't do what most of, a lot of my friends are doing, we're doing a 100 push-up challenge. So every day you do at least 100 push-ups to kind of get a little bit of your blood flowing, get your energy up, and you know just uh, stay healthy so your body can stay healthy and your mind can stay healthy as well. And drink a lot of water. Stay hydrated. But also drink some whiskey too. Hope you're doing well. We'll see you soon. Cheers.